fuck it. I said it. We can edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, November 13th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and part-time PostNL distribution center. And with me today are Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and empty inbox typed person, and Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and double A rated ginger and lemon bastard. <laughs> the job titles today are just off the rails, they are guys. Off the they are. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. But Molly, it's my fault, yeah, because I wrote them. Yeah, uh, Molly, uh, what kind of person are you? If you don't inbox zero, you're a sociopath. I feel extremely strongly about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, yeah. you, I think you tweeted it. Yeah, there, there was someone who tweeted. There's two types of people in the world: inbox zero or inbox like thirty thousand seven hundred and fifty-two, which is absolutely correct. And one of those people is a sociopath, and the other one is me. Well, <laughs> she she wrote down uh, 900 uh, something yeah. uh, emails. So I checked how many emails, unread emails, I had in my inbox, and it was frightingly close yeah. to the number she <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't understand people. But, who but can most just of like... them, most of my un, uh, unread emails are just Bachmann emails. Yeah, that you got because of Gordon's because book of my lunch. Book, yeah. Exactly. So I'm responsible yeah, but you for can your filter this stuff out. Emails. Like you can uh, you can archive it. You can get rid of but it. But then just... it just ends up in another pile of unread emails. That is. Yeah. So did you mean when you count your your unread emails, do you only count the ones that are in your main inbox, or do you count all the spam and advertising ones that come in as well? But I don't. All of that. Because I've actually got three inboxes full of unread emails. Well, that's what you, but. Uh, people who make poor life decisions. No, you inbox, I inbox zero every day. So every day I take my entire inbox down to no emails left. And so like, yeah, you sure. I get like newsletters and spam too. Although because I use Gmail, because I'm not like a plebe, I have a filter set up for newsletters. So all of the newsletter stuff, like totally they go like, directly into, the into that, which I check like mm. once a day and just like skim through to see, because there's some newsletters I like and like sometimes it's nice when... Pop For example, one. the Dutch News newsletter you can subscribe to. You can yes, get it exactly. You can subscribe to the Dutch News newsletter, and that one I will check out. Yeah. And uh, then I, I have... think what I'm going to do, I'm just going to start forwarding my unread emails to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Gordon, what what kind of bastard are you? Uh, well, all according to you, all all kinds of uh, type. But no, I, I was uh, watching the football this week and uh, enjoying um, a, a bottle of um, the Hetoch uh, Jans low alcohol. Um, uh, beer, which is uh, kind of got a ginger and lemon flavor, and it's called Bastard. Yeah. So bastard with double so bastard with a double A. Wrong with this sentence? Why are you drinking low alcohol beer? Because I'm on my own. Why and are you <laughs> drinking Hetzelgans? <laughs> for one thing, Hetzelgans yeah. very is a very good well, of, of, the, of, of, of the of the Dutch uh, of the mainstream the Dutch, Dutch of the mainstream Dutch beer labels. I quite shit. like it. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so I and put this double and it's double A rated because double A rated because it's got double there's double A in bastard. Yeah. What so. is what does that actually mean? Because you also have bastard sauker, right? Yeah, bastard, bastard, yeah. bastard. Yeah. yeah, a bastard. Yeah, yeah. What does the word mean? Bastard, yeah. as in sugar. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, but, well, yeah, I I do think it, I do think I know what it is because um, when they produce sugar, uh, they it goes through all sorts of refineries and yeah. filters and the unrefined. Uh, kind of sugar that's mm. bastard sucker. So uh. it might be etymologically related to bastard, 
I'm not entirely sure. We're going to have to look that up. Interesting. But it could be. Yeah. We will do a Dutch news investigation on this. We will do mm. this. Yeah. And Paul, of all of us who does not need yet another job, you have <laughs> found yet another job. Yeah, Why that's true. are you acting as a post and all distribution point? So I live in a uh, student complex and 521 other students are living in my building. So when the post and delivery guys comes here, he always has a lot of packages to deliver. So uh, I walk downstairs to collect my uh, my package and the delivery guy, he, 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 he turned to me and he said, can I ask you something? And I was like, no, but you're going to do it anyway. And he said, do you see this pile of 25 other packages? Uh, they belong to people that live here, but are not at home. Can you please put it in your room oh and God. let other That's people... That's your whole room if you have 25 post and packages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, I looked at the uh, I looked at the pile of packages and I was like, this is such a ridiculous request. I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, everybody, got, well, almost everyone uh, uh, came came along. Was it a nice night. way to meet your neighbors? Did you meet like... No, it was awful. Yeah, you yeah. had to talk, talk to people. Yeah. It's yes, terrible. and I just taught them to, to never do this again. Yeah. 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 I didn't uh, know that you could say no to this request until I'd been living here for like four or five years and had basically been running my own post and distribution center. <laughs> and then finally I was out, out at dinner with friends and I was complaining about this. And they were like, you can just tell the post and guy no. And I was like, you can, you can do that. And, now, and then my boyfriend was really outraged that this was like not a thing that was on the Imburgering examen because it seems like a useful bit of information. Yeah, because yeah. I had just been accepting all these packages thinking you were like obliged <laughs> to yeah. do it. And the postal mail guy obviously works out who in the street works is at home sucker, or is in yeah. during the day and who is the sucker who's always going to say yes and was taking mm-hmm. the, passage, exactly. the packages. So it kind of escalates. Yeah. yeah. And in, in, in your Imburgering cursor that you're going to develop, this will be lesson number one. Yeah, it's definitely in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if it's going to be lesson number one. Lesson number one might be that Albert Hein is a far superior grocery store to Yumbo. So aside from our uh, our controversial opinions about grocery stores, <laughs> what are the other alpefs from this week? <laughs> well, last week there were a number of party conventions. Uh, one of them was for of the VVD and the other of Christianini. Both of them caused some alpef, but the real alpef was about the Forum for Democracies convention. Cherubides party tweeted a few hours before it started that there were, were thousands of people waiting in line before the Amsterdam Rai Convention Center and that the organization was uh, afraid uh, they wouldn't have enough seats for everyone. This claim was immediately questioned by a lot of uh, people. Uh, the party didn't allow journalists inside the convention hall, but one clever journalist had uh, registered as a party member and could therefore be present at the convention. And he noticed that there were a lot of empty seats and also the large balcony of the convention hall was uh, was still only partly filled with attendees. Um, additionally, the convention hall uh, turned out to only have a capacity of 1,750 seats, so there was no way that there were thousands of people there. Right. Yeah. So we have our very own, uh, this, this crowd is the biggest ever yeah. Uh, yeah. op yeah. uh, in the Netherlands. So now. Yeah. Paul, was it you that had secretly registered as a Forum for Democracy member? Uh, not secretly, no, I'm very open. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, we I'm are not. now. Cherry Bonet is your messiah. Yeah, yeah he is. And Theo Hirma too. No, no, it was uh, Chris Albers. Yeah, okay. He's a freelance journalist. Yeah. Mm. This week, we update you on the European adventures of both Mark Rutte and two Dutch football teams, why you can safely cover your head completely next winter in Amsterdam, and why you'd better cover another body part the coming months as well. In our discussion, we will guide you through the annual Word of the Year contest, the best Dutch tradition after deep-frying basically everything and painting faces black. I thought it was a Scottish tradition to deep-fry everything. Is that? Yeah. Oh, I think it's probably a <laughs> northeastern European... It's a Calvinist uh, thing. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. 
The Dutch state-owned railway company Nederlandse Spoorwegen, or NS, will pay compensation to survivors and relatives of people it transported to Nazi death camps in the Second World War. The NS earned millions of guilders by transporting Jews to holding camp Westerbork in Drenthe. Between July 1942 and 1945, 200 NS trains manned by Dutch staff transported over 100,000 people to Westerbork, from where they were moved to death camps in Poland and Germany. It's a black page in the history of our country and the company. It's a past we can no longer ignore, NS said in a statement. The company is setting up a special commission to look into how NS can make individual payments to survivors and relatives who died. Holocaust survivor Salo Muller, 82, has long been campaigning for compensation by the Dutch railway company. Last year he officially requested compensation and threatened to sue the company after the NS refused to respond. In 2005, the NS formally apologized for its role of the deportations in the Second World War and has since invested in monuments and educational programs about the Holocaust. I mean, this seems like a nice... I mean, it's it, a terrible thing, but like this seems well, like a Well, nice it, it took them 72 years or so. Yeah, it's, it's a little late. It's the fact it took them so long, isn't it? That's, uh, because um, I think in Germany, the railway company, or certainly most of the government institutions have been handing out compensation for some time. Yeah. Now. Well, and, uh, for a couple of years, so yeah. also fairly late, and also yeah. the French railway company yeah. as well. And um, the news about uh, about these railway companies uh, paying compensation triggered Salo Muller to uh, start requesting the same thing of the NS. Right. Mm-hmm. As he should. I mean, they shouldn't. Totally. Yeah, this should well, be a good lesson so for. Salomon Miller uh, was at Pau yes last night, and he he he. Um, I didn't know this, but when Jews were transported to uh, these camps, uh, they had to pay for their own tickets. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the NS or the predecessor of this uh, earned millions by these tickets, but they were also paid by the Germans um, for their services. So yeah, on top of that, they also made a lot of money and and, and the, the money paid by the Germans were was usually confiscated money from Jews or from other right. uh, yeah. political prisoners. Yeah. I mean you can you can only hope that should situations like these arrive in the future that people look at the punishments that people face for this stuff and decide that they're not gonna participate next time around although i'm extremely skeptical that that will happen yeah especially when these punishments or these compensations or these financial um, 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 uh, consequences uh, will take at least 70 years before it will yeah you just hope sort of that like people like learn from history right that like you know you sort of look back on you know the holocaust and how you know obviously people who participated in it in any way shape or form are now sort of extremely looked down upon and you say i don't want my legacy to be something that's going to be judged so harshly. Yeah, but it's also about redress, isn't it? Yeah, and just the fact that um, you, you acknowledge that um, the Nazi rule wasn't just a, a small group of people who occupied the country, the whole infrastructure participated. Right. And that they should, yeah, everyone yeah, who was involved, um, even if um, you know, even if they weren't, you know, um, uh, died in the wall Nazis. You know, if you participated, then you should acknowledge that, and there should be compensation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it turns out everyone's grandparent here was not a member of the resistance, which is sort yeah. of like how the story goes whenever you talk to people. Yeah. Amsterdam Mayor Femke Halsma caused some raised eyebrows this week when it was reported that she was going to refuse to enforce the new burqa ban in the city. The legislation, which passed the Senate in June, bans face-covering clothing on public transport, in government buildings, and in schools and hospitals. Offenders risk a fine of 400 euros. 
On Friday last week, Halsma told local broadcaster Alte 5 that she thought the ban, quote, doesn't fit with our city and that instead police capacity would be better used elsewhere. Junior Home Affairs Minister Raymond Knops responded, quote, the comments were inappropriate and unfitting for the office of the mayor. Halsma then walked back her statements on Wednesday, telling city councilors that nuance in her statements had not been picked up. Quote, the impression has been given that the city and the national politics are at odds, she said. That is a misunderstanding. Amsterdam is a city which follows the law. But she couldn't resist another dig at the law, saying, nevertheless, there are higher priority problems such as organized crime, threats against journalists, and hand grenades being left outside shops. Can we get straight exactly what Femke Halsma said? Because did she say she was going to refuse to enforce the law, or did she not just say that um, she was not making it a priority? What's been said is, and it wasn't just by her, it was also by the mayors of Utrecht and Rotterdam, that like enforcing this burqa ban is not a priority for them and that they have limited police resources and they are going to be directing those police resources to other places. Yeah. Um, which mayors have the power to do. If you listen to our last episode, we talked a lot about what actually mayors do. And one of the things that they can do is sort of, they're very responsible for public safety. So they have a lot of discretion in terms of like how they can guide the police forces. Yeah. And th- this problem with people wearing burkas or covering their entire face, it's such a small problem yeah. compared to other things. And yeah. um, like, for example, um, a driving through a red light that's yeah. also forbidden but you're not mm. going to put a policeman in every street corner right. uh, yeah. I mean it's it's the same thing it's not an enormous problem but when, you, when you're caught red handed then you're going to be fine yeah. and I think Halsma's point sort of underhandedly that as she made it is true which is, is that you know she is the mayor of a city that has had a car bomb driven into you know, a national newspaper headquarters and hand grenades being thrown at coffee shops mm. and multiple like and beer feats. Yeah. yeah, beer feats really a problem. Yeah. And, sh- and yeah. shootings in the street where right. people yeah. just are gunning each other down. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, drunk tourists falling into the canal and drowning. Yeah. And I think, I mean, all of those things yeah. are. Which of those things do you want to push down the order in order to prosecute women for going around uh, wearing you know, with, too, wear. with too many clothes on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the other thing I don't get here is that I remember back in the days of the Vietpass when yes. they tried that uh, Amsterdam's mayor Eberhard van der Land then said he wasn't going to enforce this. It, it was just flat out. It wasn't just he wasn't going to priority. He was actually yeah, saying to the police, "Do not go into off. coffee shops and uh, arrest tourists. So I don't want you to." And no one, no, and everyone agreed that that was that was acceptable because yeah. they thought the law was absurd. Whereas here, people seem to be more inside the absurdity and still think that the law is okay, whereas actually it's, it's absurd. Cause I mean, it's, um, uh, and, you know, and, and, and then they get worked up and they say the mayor is putting herself above the law. So yeah. that, that in itself, I think, is an absurd statement. Yeah, so. I know. I mean, it's just... I think we, we talked about the Burqa ban at some point, but you know, philosophically, it's just never a good look when the government tells women what they can and cannot wear. And practically speaking... Uh, evidence from where they have had bans like this shows that basically mm. you just further isolate women from society when what you want to be doing is integrating them in as much as humanly possible. Your ban is terrible and will probably get overturned because yes. it's racist. And I think the transport companies came out this week as well and said, look, how can you expect us to enforce this? You know, we're not going to tell tram drivers to stop the tram because a woman gets on right. with a burqa on. You, know, well, you and can't also, expect I mean, us to do that. It's such a weirdly written law. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're in Amsterdam in the winter and you're really cold and you have like wrapped a scarf around your nose and you have a hat on and the only thing you can see is your eyes but Mm. you're blonde or you're white you're not going to be right not allowed on there but if you get on with a niqab you're not but this is the same thing Mm -hmm. like i just don't understand how you can write a rule that's going to differentiate between these two things i mean yeah yeah so 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 yeah so this issue has raised a lot of eyebrows but at least we can see the raised eyebrows (laughs) (laughs) 
The European Parliament's office has confirmed to Dutch News that British nationals will not be able to vote in next May's European elections, even though they will retain all their rights and entitlements as EU citizens until the end of 2020, if there's a deal. If there's a deal. If there's a deal. The number of seats in the Parliament has been cut from 750 to 701 because of Britain's departure at the end of March, and the Dutch contingent is set to go up from 26 seats to 29, each of which will probably be represented by a different political party. As is the Dutch way. <laughs> as is the Dutch way. British nationals will have the same voting rights as other non-EU citizens, so they will still be able to vote for their local council and the water board, most importantly. Water board? Very important elections, <laughs> Extremely important yeah. The Parliament's also launched a website to encourage people to use their vote. Turnout in the Netherlands at the last European elections four years ago was 37.3%, which is well below the EU average of 42.6%. Gotta vote, guys. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Go vote. Uh, Mark Ritter had some... Uh thoughts and feelings on the Brexit deal this week, didn't he? Yeah, he wasn't pulling too many punches. The European ministers signed the Brexit deal on Sunday. It was the definitive, there's no going back now. We we have a deal until, of course, the British Parliament votes against it. Right, in December, um, right? Which yeah. is pretty yeah. much going to happen. Which basically. is pretty much very likely to happen, yeah. But uh, Rutte was therefore forcefully making the point that there is no plan B now. There's, there's no alternative to this deal. It's the best deal available on the table. And he said, quote, if there are people in Britain who think they can get a better deal, then they are wrong. Of course, there are people in Britain who think uh, they can just reopen negotiations, even though there's about four months to go now uh, until Brexit. So, and almost everyone in Britain hates the deal. Yeah, literally, just you know, literally, everyone yeah, hates it. Theresa May has yeah. finally united the country um, against <laughs> uh, Brexit deal. So th- that's some achievement. Yeah. Well done to her. Yeah, but if you are if you are you know in favour of Brexit, then this deal does not go far yes. enough. Far and if you yeah. are if against, against Brexit, Brexit then... you don't want a Brexit deal because you don't want Brexit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of Brexit-leaning commentators reacted to the EU deal by saying it was clearly a stitch-up because the other 27 member states signed it off in just 38 minutes. That's not quite true because the actual duration was one year, seven months, 26 days, three hours, and 38 minutes <laughs> to, to get the deal. Uh, Not UK. that anyone is counting. <laughs> yeah. With the departure of VVD MP Ford van Ooster, which is also a ridiculous name, a good one for your list, Molly, to become the mayor of Nissewaard, the number of MPs quitting before the end of their four-year terms become 13. Four of the MPs that left have become mayors or aldermen, one accepted a job abroad and the other eight left for personal reasons. According to the Parliamentary Documentation Centre, the number of MPs abandoning their post prematurely is not excessively high, but what has changed is the period spent as MPs. Nowadays, they don't leave after years and years, but only after 18 months. The chair of the Tweede Kamer, Kadia Ariep, told RTL News that she feels MPs should complete that term. I'm not happy about it. It is a shame. That's all I can say, she told RTL. So what do we think about MPs quitting? Is this a thing that, that happens in the US and in the UK as well? or is It It doesn't really typical? happen in the British Parliament because I think um, MPs actually represent a specific constituency. Yeah. So then if you quit, there has to be a by-election. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's a bit so. the same in the US. I mean, people step down because of scandal or if like, they get really sick, yeah. basically. Or, like, or they or die. die. Or they die. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we step just down. elect yeah. them to mayor in Nevada anyway. So it's yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's... It's a bit the same, right? Because there's not like, oh, we just find somebody else. It's yeah. like you have to go back and have like a runoff election usually, or there's like a special appointment procedure. Last episode, we uh, we talked about all of the municipal elections, but there was one uh, one interesting development, wasn't there? Yes. All that came out of this? In, in Noordwijk, one newly elected councillor has given up his seat for a younger female colleague because he was concerned about the council chamber being dominated by men. Jan de Ridder, 74, received 284 votes on November 21st, securing a seat on the council, but he will be handing it over to 34-year-old Nathalie Barnhorn. 
The Ridder told Omroep West he decided not to take up his place because it would have meant the party was represented by five men. I deliberately voted for a female CDA candidate in the council elections because I believe women should be given a chance, he If 74-year-old Yonder Ritter can figure this out, there is no excuse for the rest of you. That is yeah. all I'm saying. I don't know uh, how the rest of the council looks like, but he feels that his CDA party uh, was dominated yeah, by men. Yeah, he felt like he wanted it to be more yeah. diverse. Yeah. And yeah. also, he also wanted to uh, to quit politics. He, yeah, he's so he said he was reluctantly allowed himself to be um, added to the list of names, even though actually he retired two years ago. Yeah. But he, he, he put himself at the bottom of the list, but then he was promoted by the voters. Yeah, but then good, I mean, yeah. good for him for taking advantage of his position and then like doing the right thing with it. Like, yeah. this is, this is solid. Yeah. I will. Uh... So I don't think it was patronizing of him to give up his seat for a woman. Not in this case. No. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to men giving up their seats for women all the goddamn time. Like we're just we're just trying to make up for like thousands of years of oppression here. And like when I'm tired on the tram, it helps a little bit. You should give up your seats for this podcast on this podcast for women. I think also. <laughs> For the first time in 13 years, Ajax have reached the last 16 of the Champions League after beating AEK Athens 2-0 in Greece. A penalty by Dejan Tadic broke down the Greek side's stubborn defence after 68 minutes, and the Serbian added a second from close range four minutes later. The game was marred by serious violence beforehand, with home supporters throwing what appeared to be Molotov cocktails at the Dutch fans, and firecrackers were set off during the half-time break. Do you see the pictures of this? You see them with blood on their faces, and uh, you saw the explosion in the stadium where this petrol bomb just went off. I actually got one game left in the group stage, which is at home to Bayern Munich. If they win that, they'll top the group, which gives them a better chance of avoiding the big guns like Barcelona and Real Madrid in the last 16. And what about the other team in uh, in Europe, PSV? Yeah, PSV didn't do so well. They were in a really tough group this year, and um, they, they were playing Barcelona at home and held up fairly well, but in the end went down 2-1 with their goals from Lionel Messi and Cheryl Piquet, who scored in the second half. Uh, Luke de Jong pulled one back late on, uh, but that means they definitely finished bottom of the group, so they're out of Europe altogether. They won't play in the Europa League mm. after Christmas either. But they did win their 13th league game in a row at the weekend, so there's a good chance they'll be back in the competition next season. And Max Verstappen finished this uh, season on a high, so... Uh, how was he radiating happiness? Yeah, the uh, half Belgian hothead was firing Wait, all he's cylinders. Half Belgian? Gordon always <laughs> refers to him as the health half I mean, Belgian I never pay it. I've, I've been on Twitter for the last five minutes since we've been yeah. recording this. He's podcast. not even half Belgian, he's fully he's Belgian. Pretty, he's actually yeah. technically he is Belgian. Yes. How he's, is he? Wait, but he was born why? in Belgium, had a Belgian mother. Um, yeah. He's basically Belgian. So why did have the Dutch like, adopted now. him for this? Well, his father's Dutch and he was a racing driver as well. Yeah, his so. mother is, is also. Is she not Belgian? Oh, I think. Oh, then his mother is Belgian. I think yeah. His mother's Belgian. Yeah. And, and his father was also a Formula One driver and he moved to Belgium for tax reasons. So, yeah, when his children were born and they were living in Belgium. And now he lives in Monaco, not for tax reasons. Not at all. Absolutely not, no, no just because of the weather. For tax no. reasons. He started in sixth place. Uh, he was pushed down to 10th because he blamed a faulty sensor in his car that said his engine was overheating. But usually it's Max that's overheating after the race <laughs> when he starts, uh, starts throwing punches at the other drivers. <laughs> he doesn't have sensors for that. <laughs> Did he not punch someone this week? No, not no. this week, no. no. This is no. my second favorite sports story. After Dick, <laughs> anything related to Dick Lawyer is Max Verstappen just like punching someone. Just kicking someone. off, yeah. yeah, and then refusing to apologise yeah. for it. But he picked his way through the field to finish third, so it's quite a good race and that means he ends the season fourth in the driver's rankings and everyone's speculating about whether he can be champion next season. Just like last year and the yeah. year before that and the exactly. year before that. Yeah. He also took a swipe at uh, Renault who make the engines for the Red Bull team after the, uh, after the race because uh, they said they'd have won a lot more races if they'd had a better engine or they probably would have won even more if he hadn't crashed uh, in, in the fir- most <laughs> yeah. of the first six yeah. races. Yeah. He, he just 
seems like an unpleasant person to be around. He does. I don't agree. But, yeah. I mean, just don't race with a French engine. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of Renault, I think we should give an honourable mention to Nico Hülkenberg, um, because he was bumped off the circuit on the first lap. His car sort of flipped over oh, yeah, and did yeah, a I somersault over and hit the barriers, yeah. uh, caught fire, and he just sort of climbed out, shook himself down, and then he went over and gave an interview in Dutch to Ziggo, even though he's German. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he spent his early racing career in the, in the Netherlands, yeah, so exactly. he speaks Dutch. He speaks well, very well Dutch. He yeah. does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even even when, when this would happen to a Dutch person, he wouldn't be able to give an interview in Dutch. So yeah, this is, this is impressive. Contraceptive pill Microchinon 30 has become so difficult to get from a pharmacy that it's being sold on marked plots at four times the normal price. The, <laughs> the Dutch kind of be Dutch? It's just so Dutch. <laughs> The pill, which is the most popular form of daily birth control in the country, has been experiencing a shortage since September when pharmacies began reporting difficulty with obtaining it. A large batch of the medication didn't meet safety standards and was destroyed, and since then it's become more and more difficult to obtain. People with uh, leftover medication have taken to selling it on marked plots. So why is this pill exactly so popular, specifically? Well, Paul, it's the Netherlands, so what, what do you think? <laughs> it's the price, of it's course. It's the cheapest one, yeah. yeah. So it's the cheapest one to produce, so health insurance companies frequently only cover it and not any of its alternatives. Um, so it's the most popular pill in the Netherlands. There's like 1.2 million people that use it. Yeah. Isn't it forbidden to sell medication uh, online or Officially, to other yeah, but yeah. that doesn't seem to be stopping anybody. No, no clearly. Not. But if it's the only one covered by the health insurance, companies, why haven't the manufacturers uh, ensured there's a decent enough supply? Some of those women have suddenly appeared in the country or suddenly started taking it on mass. I mean, I think for, for some men, it's just like, oh, women have just appeared in, <laughs> into the world. <laughs> like, we're yeah. not sure what to do with it. Um, we're giving your seats now, Molly, so... I, yeah, but there's still two more seats on this podcast to be taken over by women. So apparently, because the health insurance companies basically only cover this, they don't have like stockpiles of the other medications. So if there is like an issue with supply chain that you're just basically screwed and that there's just like not enough available. There was like some scathing comments in, I think it was the NRC article where they were interviewing pharmacists and pharmaceutical assistants who were just like bashing repeatedly mm. about how like the system mm. is set up from the health insurance perspective. Is it because they put men in charge of the planning? Is this I'm a problem? sure they yeah. put men in charge of the planning. And to ask an obvious question, uh, can't people just switch to another medication? So it's not that easy because mm. as we just discussed, right, health insurance companies aren't covering these other mm. medications. So it wasn't actually until this week or last week that pharmacies have even been given the go ahead to be able to offer alternatives, which is insane because mm. you've just like left people without birth control yeah. for several months. But also, you know, different birth controls have different chemical properties and people can be like very sensitive to, the, to different hormones and you can't just switch. Um, and it also makes your birth control less effective. So like so you're supposed to be abstaining from having or using a secondary form of protection when you switch your birth control, I think for like two months. It's a long yeah. time to have to deal with us, so... All I'm saying is, is if uh, dudes were the ones that were giving birth to babies, none of this shit would ever happen. Abortions would be available at ATMs. Yeah. Yeah. We're recycling something from the previous story now, which is appropriate because it's all about uh, reincarnation therapy, which is no longer being funded by health insurer CZ, along with craniosacral therapy or Ayurveda. The insurers announced it was taking some alternative treatments out of its supplementary care packages. What, what, what exactly is craniosacral therapy? Yeah, craniosacral therapy is some kind of head massage treatment that you get for um, pains in your spine or your, t- or your soft tissue. Uh, I have to say, I, I had to look it up on Wikipedia as well. Ah, uh, okay. But, um, I, have a, I have another question. 
What is it's reincarnation therapy? <laughs> <laughs> All these three things have um, been branded uh, pseudoscience by medical practitioners, and uh, CZ has said that its uh, customers have uh, been increasingly complaining that these treatments are ridiculous and shouldn't be covered by their healthcare premiums, which seems fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and there was also an episode of uh, Zondach bei mit Lubach, which uh, I think triggered they, they admitted triggered yeah. the whole thing. Because the thing is, these things are in care packages, so they're, they're bundled up together with orthodox mainstream yeah. uh, medical treatments. We can't separate them out yourself. So if you want to have, say, physiotherapy, it also includes craniosacral therapy, right. which, is, which is ludicrous. Which you are paying for. So yeah, because you want to see the physiotherapist nine times a year, you also pay for uh, underwriting somebody else's spurious head massage. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe Zondag Melubach should do a segment about the birth control situation <laughs> and we'll get that fixed too. Ooh. So reincarnation therapy involves reliving traumatic experiences from your current life or past lives, if you believe in such a thing, under hypnosis. And Ayurveda is an ancient Indian form of medicine that's supposed to improve vitality and longevity and involves various kinds of herbal treatments. A spokesman for CZ said, quote, a growing number of people say patients should pay for these treatments for themselves. However, this decision could come back to haunt the insurer. See what I did there. <laughs> because the alternative healers have put together an 18,000 signature petition calling on them to continue funding their clinics. I don't know where they got 18,000 signatures from. Perhaps it's just the same person. <laughs> yeah, no, just signs. Signs 10 times. I have 10 pre-born again. So yeah, I can sign 10 times now. I mean, can't you just like do some studies on this and then like see and then in a couple of years be like, okay, guys, look, we looked into this. It turned out people don't have past lives. Uh, your therapy is some bullshit. We're not covering it. I think what you have is uh, what's called a market-driven system where you, you offer various kinds of healthcare packages uh, you know, and, and, and offer people a broad choice, which includes um, real science and pseudoscience. And apparently. only one form of birth control. Yeah, but three forms of uh, reincarnation therapy. The government uh, has a lot of say in what's in the basic care package, but this is an additional care package right. yeah. where you can offer people and uh, choose to pay for yeah. whatever you like. It's interesting that hospitals uh, go bankrupt in this country and uh, reincarnation therapy centers do not. Yeah, but perhaps the hospitals will be born again. What would your guys' past lives experience have been if you had reincarnation therapy? I think it's really interesting whenever people have um, hypnotherapy and go back into past lives, they're, they're, they're always princes or yeah. rich merchants <coughs> or successful yeah, people, yeah, aren't yeah, they? They're, they're yeah. never paupers. Yeah. I, I think, think I would have been a pauper though. I think Paul would have yeah. been Hitler. We'll be discussing the word of the year election organized by the Vandale Dictionary after this word from our sponsor. Here in Holland is the podcast in English about life with the Dutch. Stories to make you laugh, cry, pull your hair out or jump for joy. Every two weeks, available in your favourite podcast app, on Spotify or at hereinholland.com. The end of 2018 is nearing and that means that it is time for one of the greatest Dutch traditions. No, we are not talking about turning cities and villages into war zones by letting children fire dangerous explosives. We are talking about the Word of the Year contest, organized by the official Dutch dictionary Vandaal. The Vandaal Dictionary uh, released a list earlier this week with 18 nominations and the public can vote until December 13th for the word of the year that uh, they feel the word that they feel truly defines fully summarizes and is characteristic for the year 2018 it's a lot of ask of a word I think yeah, but as we as we see, I listed a few um, word of the years of the past, and well, some of them truly yeah. 
define the year. I think. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about like wh- how this came to be, Paul. Like, what? How did this tradition start? Well, and what? Uh... Yeah. Well, very often after a new story or some ophef, uh, a new Dutch word emerges, and usually it's a combination of two existing words. Uh, typically, uh, well, it's called a neo neo neol neologism neologism. Yeah. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but that's what it's called. And uh, usually, you know, the use of these uh, decline after a new story disappear, but sometimes um, these words are fully adopted and widely used in day-to-day language. For example, Brexit is one of these examples, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was curious to know, is this a typical Dutch thing or do we see this in, this in English no, language we, as well? No, we have a word of the year contest in um, uh, in Britain as well. It's, uh, I can't remember which dictionary runs it. But, uh, but, but, do, up, but, but uh, do these you, you words emerge as well in, in the same way? Yeah, as, they emerge uh, in the course of news cycle, definitely. I don't think you have... Uh, yeah, I think the word, I have to say, the Dutch words that come out tend to be better, partly because you've got this facility of just bolting words together right. to make yeah. new words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and in yeah. English, they always seems like separate words, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's either separate words, or you tend to find a word which is often like a portmanteau, you sort of half of one word and half of another word. Like Brexit. Like Brexit, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, in the US, it's usually like what slang terminologies get have now become so widely used yeah. that they're like added to the dictionary as like official words. But they often just pick a word that's like... The the Miriam I think it's Miriam Webster that does like the word of the year like the big one but they often just like pick a word that like has to do with the year it's not like a new word so yeah. I think this year was toxic toxic the word of the oh, year, okay. which I yeah. think is quite okay. fitting well my favorite word of the year in the past it came out in uh, 2007 that's poquito proof please tell us why yeah. well poquito was a gorilla he escaped in the Blijdorp Zoo in Rotterdam uh, while he was while he escaped he attacked a woman and after the incident the enclosure was made poquito proof yeah. so that Poquito wasn't able anymore to escape from his enclosure. But nowadays, this word is used for for hooligans and for rioters uh, and stuff like that. Wasn't the woman that was attacked in love with Poquito? She'd been coming on to him. It was the other way around. She she visited the, the zoo so frequently that the Poquito thought that this lady was his female counterpart yeah. Yeah. and uh, every day she left because you know she had to and go home, home. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, and after the 100th yeah. time or something it enraged him and he uh, he just decided to uh, go get and uh, pick her up wow. yeah well at least he didn't send her a dick pic no yeah. that's true yeah. yes that's true Gordon what's your previous word of the year favorite coma zaupen I quite like that one yeah that was one of the nominees yeah the nominees. still didn't make it, it. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what does it, it mean that, uh, so when you, when you drink so much that you end up in um, in a coma there's lots of concern about teenagers increasingly coma yeah. getting to coma open and um, one of the other nominees in 2007 is self-bedieningskapitalisme and that refers to the gun thing of Albert Heijn because yes. that's also of course a self-service uh, yeah. capitalism. capitalism yeah I also like a stem fee which is a selfie taken in the in, in the polling booth yeah. Yeah. which also causes a bit of ophef of course so, so there's a whole because technically it's illegal to show if, if you actually show your voting paper <laughs> yeah well in the yeah picture. yeah the question yeah. was so, does it uh, does it violate your the voting secret ballot yeah the secret ballot yeah, yeah. That was so my favorite word of the year is not the Dutch word of the year but the Belgian word of the year from three or four years ago I don't yeah. remember which was Samson sex yeah <laughs> which has to do with um, there is a TV show a children's TV show in Belgium called Sam Samsung, is it? Samsung and Gert. Samsung, yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently, parents in Belgium put their kids down in front of this TV show and then go off to uh, to yes. get it on a little bit while the kids are like yeah. being distracted. And an episode lasts to... twenty minutes. So yeah, it's, so it's uh, like the perfect exact... amount. They got of time. a twenty-minute window. Yeah, yeah, which when you got children is uh, yeah is it's more than you can ask for. Yeah, it's, it's as much times after that you just get exhausted. Yeah. Molly, I yeah. thought your favorite was going to be swafflen. Uh, Zwafflen is also an excellent word, and I uh, 
I was extremely confused when I discovered that this was an actual word. Yeah, I oh. thought it came from English, but apparently it didn't. No, it doesn't. Mm. This is all this is all the Dutch fault. And, and what it, what does it mean? It means to put your penis on something, basically, right? Yeah, to yeah. hit your penis. <laughs> yeah, to hit something. And with it your became penis. the word of the year because there was a group of Dutch tourists who got in trouble at the Taj Mahal. Students, yeah, students, these were students, yeah. yeah. For uh, swaffling on the Taj Mahal, yeah. yeah, and then they were suspended. Yeah, as mm. they should be. Yes, yeah. One, uh, another word uh, from two thousand eight. One of the nominees was Banken Domino. And what is that? Bank Domino, yeah. because it was the financial crisis started uh, then, and all these yeah. banks started to fall, fall. over. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And in the same um, kind of vein, you had uh, a couple of uh, years ago, uh, Dagobert Duck Tax was uh, yeah, one of the, was the colourful one. The Dagobert Duck Tax. Ah, uh, was this about Scrooge McDuck? Yeah, yeah, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, this was um, I think uh, during the uh, coalition negotiations was talk about whether there should be they should raise the um, uh, income tax for the yeah. highest earners and it's called the Dagobert Duck yeah. taxes and it's interesting rich, to yeah. see that Dagobert Duck is a name so usually mm. you would you know write it of a two, two separate words but yeah. in the word Dagobert Duck talks it's all uh, it's all lowercase it's all yeah. lowercase yeah. and it's all uh, stick together yeah so those are some of the previous ones what do we have this year Paul well the not I have to admit that the, this year's list is the, a bit of disappointing yeah mm. the nominees are a bit disappointing yeah. I think yeah so as I said Van Dalen published a list of 18 nominees that's more than previous years and some of them yeah, do not have a chance to become yeah. word of the year because I, I was I was uh, I was reading this list and I was like some of them I never even never heard about heard and I didn't even mm. know what what it was about and what I assumed was that some of them were Belgian words because Vandale is also of course uh, in Belgium they speak yeah. Dutch as well so Vandale covers Belgium as well but Gordon you pointed out that in Belgium Vandale has a separate list there yeah. is a second list for Vandale but there's some overlap I think about half the words on this list are also on the Flemish list but mm. there are some words in Belgium that are not on the Dutch list, for example, uh, Mortstrokje, which is a name for a cycle lane that's too close to the road, so it's uh, so it's dangerous. And you have a lot so, of them in Belgium. Yeah, the, the murder strip, literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, and another one was Brokkelbrug, which uh, seems like a word you would be useful in Belgium. <laughs> Again, what does yeah, that yeah. mean for our listeners? It's just a bridge that's falling to bits. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A crumbled crumbling bridge. Crumbling bridge. bridge. Yeah, yeah. they sort of Brokkelwegen. Yeah. Yeah. Brokkelland. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to go through all 18 of these words, Paul, no. but maybe you can just take us through some of the ones that you, uh, you think are the, the most prominent, the best for sure yes uh, what I think w- one of the best one uh, I never heard of it but I think it's a nice word is a drunk hangen yes mm. it's uh, laying on a couch alone often in underwear that was specifically mentioned as <laughs> yeah. well I'm not sure if that's really necessary but apparently it is uh, so laying on a couch while drinking and snacking so mm. it's just relaxing yeah. and sure yeah. you are you're drinking yourself you're in your underwear yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, we've all been there another, <laughs> we've all been there yeah another one that I liked was crispel uh, lazen what is called uh, what does a dog do with its tail it wags its tail it wags yeah. its tail well children with reading problems they can read out loud to a specially trained dog and it's tail wagging tail, tail yeah. wagging um, works encouraging yeah it's yeah. a cute one I think yeah, yeah that's yeah. nice yeah that's a nice one yeah uh, line sporter that, that one I really liked as well uh, that's someone a person who, who who, who plays a sport professionally, but a sport that it doesn't get enough, doesn't get a lot of attention in the media. And Kantlijn is it's a sideline. It's a sideline. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that one I really liked as well. Mm-hmm. A Mongo moment. This is also nice. Uh, that's that was the reason why I thought that. A lot of these words came from Belgium because it's a moment of happiness experienced by a very sick patient after an apparently insignificant action by uh, medical staff, uh, uh, you know, triggers some some whole moment of happiness. Like in the example that they use is bringing a mango. Yeah, yeah. so, so 
some is not actually directly related to your medical treatment, but just a kind of human touch, yeah, really, that makes exactly. you feel in the middle of all this misery and anxiety. Someone does something nice for you, and you feel this uh, elation. I spent a bit of time in, in, in hospices in my time, obviously, and uh, yeah, that, that's really important in that kind of care. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Do you recall so, a mango moment for yourself? Um, for myself, uh, no. For your wife? I, I do remember. Well, it wasn't quite a mango moment, but I do remember when she was in hospital one time. Uh, she was complaining. She was complaining that there was absolutely no fresh fruit available in the hospital. So I took it. So I went in the next day with a whole bag full of uh, bananas and strawberries. But no and mangoes. Then watched, uh, no mangoes. No. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. They're hard to get in Scottish supermarkets. <laughs> um, but, 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 yeah, but, and then I watched her just devour them because uh, it was the first fresh, <laughs> first sort of fresh food she'd had for about three days. Because hospital food in Britain is famously awful. But she had a banana moment. She had a banana moment. Yeah. yeah. I also liked her intimitatscoordinator. <laughs> that is my favorite. This is my nomination speaking, for one of the year. Speaking of banana moments, <laughs> yeah. um, it is a person hired on a film set who is in charge of the smooth filming of an intimacy scene. Yes. Yeah, so like sex scenes or those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah, but this comes from, I read the background around uh, uh, behind this, and it comes from HBO. That's an American uh, channel. Mm -hmm. And so they hired... Intimiteitscoordinator mm. because of Me Too. Yeah. Yes, I was say it was related, presumably it was related and, to Me Too. And the article you... pointed out that not only people are getting fired because of Me Too, but there are also people that are getting hired, hired because of Me Too. Yes, yeah. So that was really yeah, fun. So, so, so yeah. you have a kind of person But this on the, is on the set. But this is I th I don't think this word should be on the list because it's not it has nothing to do with the Netherlands. I think. Well, it was but it happened in the Netherlands, right? No, no, no. It was yeah. HBO. It was in America. Yeah, but yeah, but the word is I thought Dutch, it was HBO. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So then, what do you think so, should uh, win, Paul? Pick a pick. Uh, pick well, your winner. We're not done yet. Oh, we're not okay. done yet. Vliegschaamte, mm. um, flying shame. That's someone who uh, experiences uh, shame while traveling in an airplane, uh, while there are cleaner alternatives available. Yeah, so we, can... uh, we have a friend who uh, shames people for flying for this. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And so yeah, when you're traveling to Berlin or something, that you, you can easily do that by train, of course. But if you're in a plane, yeah. and you feel like I would actually much rather go by train because I feel flying yeah. in absolute <laughs> hell going through airports. I agree. Is, uh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the yoga one, which should yeah. be cocaine yogi, but is not. That's not one word. It's uh, yoga snuiver or yoga <laughs> sniffer. I yeah. think. Mm. It's someone who uh, has a healthy lifestyle during the week, but uh, uses cocaine in the weekends. But you think it should be cocaine well, yogi? Well, I like cocaine yogi better, yeah. but it's two different words, so it, it doesn't yeah. have the criteria. Co I, think I think it rolls off the tongue better than I yoga agree. snuffer. I agree. Selfie shopper. I did not know that this was a thing, but I'm not Me surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's someone who orders clothes at an internet store uh, only to wear it for a single selfie and after that, uh, yeah, send it back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, this it used to be a thing. I'm sure it still is a thing that like you would buy a dress and keep the tags on and wear the dress to the yes. party and then just like return it later. It yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's the same thing yeah. basically. But yeah, for, uh, now you can make selfies. So yeah, then yeah. you not only do it for parties, but also for your Instagram photos, of exactly. course. Very but important. the word that I think will win and uh, the word that truly defines 2018, yeah. actually 2017 a bit as well, is blokkeerfries. Yes. And please explain what blokkeerfries is. Uh, it's a person who blocked the motorway in Friesland in order to prevent people uh, from protesting against certain aspects of Sinterklaas festivities uh, and by some this person is considered as a defender of tradition yeah. this is how how uh, the vandalen described it yeah. um, it's basically a douchebag who parts a car on a motorway because they don't like the fact that some people are offended by blackface yes yeah. exactly yeah. yeah that's the that's yeah. the story behind yeah, it I, I, I think it's a less too long i'll call it blocker freeze blocker freeze yes and because uh, i think they have a lot in common with blocker and so in, <laughs> in, in terms of their, their cheap nasty and they and, they're they're, going they're, they're, and they fall to bits yeah, the, under, under pressure they're the blocker version 
Destruction of Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you think Blakirfries Bla- should yeah, be the winner. What Bla- about you, Gordon? Do you have a, you have a preference? A preference? Uh, well, well, I mean, I like an Intimitas Coordinator. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be my uh, my choice. Even though it has nothing to do with Dutch news or Dutch Yeah, stuff. or t- Testosterone tweet as well, mm. which is a tweet, uh, a very aggressive tweet written written by a man. Yeah, usually. always. Um, <laughs> always, yeah, yeah. Because it's high on testosterone. Yeah. Yes. I think Yoga Yoga Snaufer is going to be the uh, the win the actual yeah. winner. Yeah, it yeah. could be one. Or Drunkhanga. Well. Those are those are the two I think should be the winner. But I agree with Gordon. It should be Intimitates coordinator and and Praktivisme. I mean that's also a good one I think, but yeah. it's not which is a form of e- activism that can easily be practiced. But I feel like that critique has been around for a really long time. It doesn't feel like a particularly like 2018 mm. thing. No, no, no this yeah, is kind true. of crystallized into a word uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, There's having so. manko moment. I mean that's always been a thing, but yeah. it, it just it happens to have attracted more attention this yeah. year. Yeah, and it has a word now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to see the rest of the list, you can go to woordvanetjaar.vandalen.nl. Yeah, and we'll there's also the, the yeah. there's also woordvanetjaar.vandalen.be if you want to see what oh, yeah. the, the Belgians Belgian are voting ones. for. Yeah, Another Belgian one, by the way, is a Burgundische Coalitie. Ah. Oh, uh, and what does this have to do with? This is uh, a description of the current um, coalition in Flanders, which apparently has the same colours as the flag of the Duke of Burgundy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> which everyone knows what colours they yeah. are. Everyone. Brokkel Burgundian. There is also another organisation uh, related to language, that's Onze Taal, mm-hmm. and they also come up with a word of the year list of their own, and you can still send in your... Uh, nominees to them. Um, so, Gordon, you can still send in uh, gelegenheidskoppelteken. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. That, that is definitely my ultimate all-time. Yeah, this, year, so this is my next question. The, yeah. What do we What do we think should be on this list that yeah. isn't? Yeah, koppelteken. activist. Yeah, which is an occasional hyphen activist. Yeah, which is actually a guy from the Fandala Dictionary. Yeah, exactly. Who complained that there wasn't a hyphen in the name of a gemeente when there should be? Yes, and that's why he refused to vote. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have uh, Do you have a suggestion? I'm trying to think. I don't think I have anything. A favorite of mine from previous years that wasn't on these lists is Boeren on Genoegen. It was in the headline one time. Mm. What is that? It was, it was uh, the headline. The story was about I think farmers being um, unhappy about the fact that they were receiving enough money for their milk. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and the headline there uh, said uh, it was something like um, "Boeren on Genoegen stacks." It's a really nice. It's like, it's like the look of it on the page. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm trying to think if there were any other like words that came up this year, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Me neither. Mm. So if you want to vote, uh, uh, go to the liner notes, and uh, we will uh, put the link there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we okay. will include the link in the liner notes, and anyone can vote. So go for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's all uh, we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derek and Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters, and we'll be back next week. (laughs) 